Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. Today, I am your host, Brian Bott. Uh, today, we got a really special guest that we have been following on social media for a while and really excited to bring him to our listeners. Uh, before I do that, I want to introduce my co-host, Coach Manchie, Dean Manchie of the Fox Valley Throws and Kimberly High School. Coach, you over there? You bet. Awesome. Well, we're winding down track season here and um, you know, getting ready for, for summer strength and conditioning and things like that. So we have a fantastic guest, Coach Lewis Corella from Georgia Tech University. Um, Coach, you over there? Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm so thankful for you guys, and I'm glad we made it work, and uh, thank, just thankful to be on. Well, it's been, it's, it's been a three-strength coach scheduling uh, affair here trying to get us all together, and, but we're really appreciative of, of you taking some time on your schedule um, as, a, as a Division I strength coach to talk with us and share some of your knowledge with our listeners. Um, so without further ado, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've been and some of the experiences you've had, and then we'll, we'll get this baby rolling here. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and always played the game of football. I always loved it. And, and just, I grew up kind of loving playing the game, you know, and as I got older, I really loved the work that went into the game. And I think that's what kind of shifted me towards strength and conditioning besides just being a football coach. And, you know, I, I played division two and division three football in college and uh, wasn't going to go to the NFL naturally with that lineup I had, but you know, I, I just had so much, uh, so much fire in my heart for working to earn what I want to get. And I remember when I was first team all conference, my junior year in college, how much I had to go through before that to even make that possible. And I think that's what sold it for me. When I got my first internship at South Florida, I knew that was the summer that I knew I was going to be in this field for a long time, hopefully. And, and then the next summer I was still in college. I went to Virginia as an intern again and worked for free. So before I even graduated college, I had two division one internships under my belt. And I think that's what kind of set me up quickly. Uh, Cause right after I graduated, I, I was a GA at Mississippi state and then went to Georgia tech after that as a full-time assistant. And then I went back to Mississippi state as a full-time assistant. Then six months later, moved to Michigan and, Worked there for three years with their football team. And uh, then I got my first head job at North Texas. And then we got fired 10 months later because I was the new guy. And, you know, we didn't win enough games and all that. Um, then I got hired, hired at Louisiana Lafayette to be the head strength coach there and worked there for two years. And then we got fired. Uh, and I, had, I felt like it was my last chance being a head guy at, at Buffalo. You know, it, we could have got fired that year, too, if we didn't win. But that didn't happen. And I feel like that was the kind of breaking point in my career, uh, hit or miss and, and a hit big. So uh, a lot of faith went into this journey that I've been on and a lot of purpose has been found. And um, social media kind of came with it. And that's uh, luckily that's how I met you guys. And just thankful to be on, you know, now I'm at Georgia Tech, so. That's, that's great. I mean, it's a, it's a tough deal, right. As a, as a D one strength, as a strength coach anywhere. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, different ideologies out that are out there and, and things like that. So one of the main purposes as a strength coach is kind of taking the, the coach's message and, and, and making it come alive in the weight room. And one of the big buzzwords that are, that's out there right now. And we talk about it all the time is culture. You know, and so what are some of the things in the weight room that you do to really promote the culture? And even, you know, as you as you go to a new place, maybe even change the culture to kind of get into a more of a, of a winning atmosphere. Uh, I think, you know, first off, being the message you're trying to preach is number one for me. You know, I'm not going to ask these kids to do anything that I haven't done myself. I've done every workout they've ever done before they've done it. Um, I, sometimes I write too much and I get, I get carried away listening to my gladiator music while I'm writing the workout, but I got to go try it before them. So then I got to adapt it and say, Whoa, that was way too much. I'm glad I tried it. Um, so that, that's one thing I try not to be a hypocrite or get on kids that I, if something I can't do, I'm not going to get on them for it. So, uh, there's that piece, but also 
you know, you got to be on the same page as your head coach. If you're the strength coach and, and the vision that he has and the vision that he wants to get done, that's important for you to follow through on. But it's also about being yourself. You know, if you're not, if you're trying to fake this thing that you're trying to create, you're never going to find it. You know, I really believe that. So this is kind of exactly who I am. And so if I, if I charge a team that I haven't met yet at 6 a.m. in the locker room and start a mosh pit, that's who I am. You know, I have <laughs> a vision of how it's going to go. I have a vision of the excitement I'm trying to bring. And that sets the tone from day one, you know, and the relationship piece, you could keep going on this culture thing. Like I've interviewed every kid I've ever coached before I coached them or within the first month that I've coached them. It's so important to get to know who you're coaching and what they're going through and what they're dealing with, what they've had to overcome to even be in front of you. So all that said, just a lot goes into the culture piece. Hey, Lewis, what advice do you have for guys on being a great teammate? Um, I just think you can't be a great leader if you're not a great teammate, you know, and there's, there's so much that goes into like selflessness is the key to personal success. I really, I really believe if you, if you care more about the team goal than your own, your own goal gets accomplished quicker. Like I really, I, I believe that wholeheartedly because I've seen, I've seen, like I always talk about fantasy football, like how it ruins their competitor. And, you know, because there could be guys in the NFL and it's not their fault. They, they just get set up for it. So they're guys that get all these stats, but they get crushed and they're happy, you know. And then there's guys that don't get their stats at all, but their team won by 30 and they're not happy, you know. So it's the same thing. It trickles down into, into youth sports and, and everything now, like if you had a bad game, you're not happy, even if your team won. And that's the most selfish way to go through life. And it, and it starts in sports. You know, you can't look past the team success before your own. So um, that that's my opinion. It's so important. It, it will, you'll never get what you really want on your own if you don't care about others. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's prevalent more and more in youth sports now. I mean, it's, you know, it, we talked with, with coach Polisek from, from Wyoming a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, there's so many more opportunities for kids, which is great, right? We're giving, we're giving kids a lot of opportunities to get out and play more and be seen more, but at the same time we see it, you know, we have edge baseball Academy and you see it with some of the other kids. We, you know, we, we're still about, you know, getting the win however we can, whether you're a 16, 17 year old travel team, whether you're, you're 10 or 11, playing the game right, first and foremost, and then you're still playing the game to have success. Yet other, you know, there's other places. And I think you, you see this in AU basketball, you see it in, um, you know, travel volleyball, a lot of other places where it's like, I want to get mine, I, I want to be seen. And I think that 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 hurts the team atmosphere. Don't you agree? I mean, as, as kids come into college, their main purpose with playing AU basketball or some of these other things, I want to get recruited. I want to be seen, you know? So I think that hurts kids coming into college, right? Yeah. And you got to give yourself time too. like, if you're trying to be, you know, seen and all that, like some kids don't get seen their freshman year and they're out, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, I, and I'm a transfer kid, you know, I transferred in college, but it wasn't until after two and a half years of working as hard as I possibly could, battling injuries, coming back from injuries, getting a starting job, getting benched after fumbling a football, like all this stuff, getting lied to, uh, getting replaced. You know, it wasn't until like I, I it got to a point where I'd be quitting if I stayed, you know, like that's how I felt inside. So I transferred and then I don't have a problem with that. It's just the guys that don't get the instant gratification or the instant result after working barely at all and they expect this thing that's just going to magically happen for them or they're you know it's so much harder now with social media because you always feel like you're not doing enough right you know all these kids they just want the the notifications and the the fame and the and especially it's going to get worse now with college 
yeah. with all this likeness stuff and kids making money off stuff. And here we go, man, buckle up. Cause it's going to get much more selfish. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, and we've talked a couple of times on the phone, you and I, and I know one of the main things that you're all about is getting the most out of every kid. You know, how can you get the most out of every player and even probably your staff and everything like that. So, you know, we start talking about recruiting, you know, when you've got your five stars and your four stars and, you know, whoever's, you know, putting those out there for kids. And then you have kids that, you know, I, you know, when I worked at Wisconsin, I mean, we, we had a huge walk-on tradition. That was a big deal. Um, and with coach Alvarez and even with coach Bielema, it was, you know, we wanted our kids to be their best when they were juniors and seniors, you know, we we're a developmental program. So from your perspective, you know, how do you get the four and five star kids to, you know, rise up to the level they need to be at from an athletic standpoint? And then how do you get those kids that are maybe a one star or even a walk on one day have the confidence, you know, that, that they belong. And then two, you know, to maximize their potential, because you're, you're talking about kids that are coming in at different levels. Yet we know as, as strength coaches in, in college, we don't, we don't care what you were when you were 17. We care, you know, when you line up on Saturday. So what are some of your strategies with that? Cause I know you're great with that. Um, I, you know, I think it's very important to have the kids admit what they're capable of. You know, I think if you have that on paper, you kind of got them uh, pinned to what you need to get done with them. So uh, a lot of people are afraid to admit what they're capable of, though, because it requires a lot more work than what they're currently doing. And that's me included. You know, I, I thought it was a good thing to admit your mistakes and admit your flaws. And that is good. You know, you need to do that. But admitting what you're capable of is a whole nother animal. And it's almost embarrassing sometimes when you realize what you're really capable of and how much you're not doing. So I think that's number one. And then there's so many different stories with so many kids. That's why I interview them all. Cause if I have these buttons on every kid that are all different, I know how to push them. You know, like I, I know exactly how they're here, even standing here right now. And if, and if I have that and they know I do, it's not, it's not me yelling anymore. It's me getting them to where they want to be. You know, this isn't like uh, attack. This is not, this is personal for them knowing that they got someone that has their back that's going to get them to the top. And, and that's how they should feel, you know, because the trust is there and, you know, I do everything I can not to be a hypocrite for these kids all the time. And I really just try to make sure that they trust me and know that I have their best interest at heart because they told me their goals. You know, you've been to a lot of different colleges, you know, Michigan and Georgia Tech, and you've been at Buffalo and, you know, just so many different colleges and different type of environments. What do most kids when they get on campus lack, you know, in that adjustment from high school to college or maybe think, from college to college with the transfer? Yeah, I think it's just a lot of it's mobility, you know, the stuff that's probably overlooked the most, just the way they bend. And then, yeah, they want to say they squat all this, but a lot of the times it's just quarter squatting and, you know, heels popping way off the floor and looking really bad. So mobility is probably number one. I think conditioning is the second thing because, like, kids think they're tough and strong and maybe they are in a one-second-round fight, you know. But if, like, the most impressive freshmen that ever come into a program are the best conditioned like strength can catch up but if you come in oiled up and can just breathe better than even the, the older guys you stand out instantly and you're probably going to turn a lot of heads so conditioning mobility and then just just perspective you know i think if you know it's guys like you that change people that do this podcast and help people and and try to make a difference in people's life because I've had a ton of coaches in my life. I haven't had a lot of difference makers and the thing, things that you're doing now are making a difference. You're not just being a coach, you're going above and beyond. And I think if more people that surround themselves with young kids, especially now, man, you see self-esteem grow, you see confidence grow, you see 
camaraderie happen. Like so much comes from just good mentorship and, and good people around you that care about you and not just trying to get the win and not care who's on the program or who's in the film room. They care about the people first and then they get the wins. So that would be what I would say to just that my high school coach is still unlocking the weight room for me 17 years after I graduated <laughs> on a Christmas break to come work out in the weight room during a quarantine, you know, like, and, and he didn't leave right after he opened it. He sat there with me for an hour and a half talking to me every day on Christmas break. <laughs> I mean, there's just people that are amazing. And those people are the ones that push the thing forward in this profession. So and that's what kids lack. They lack mentorship. They lack conditioning. They lack mobility. They lack perspective because they don't have a lot of you guys. The, the conditioning part of it, I can speak to because you, you see that. And a lot of times, you know, they think they're in great condition when they show up. But the two things that happen typically as you move up level, and that can be, you know, from middle school to freshman, freshman to JV, JV to varsity, even in high school. And then when you move from, you know, high school to college, the one thing, and that's one thing that we try and do in, in my facilities is the tempo at which you do things at. Everything is, is a little bit faster tempo when you get to another level. And then you're also surrounded you know, you walk in the door that first week as a college freshman, you, we've seen that. And I'm sure you see it too with guys that are, they're nervous, right? They're nervous. And so now you're nervous, everything's moving faster. And now you're trying to keep up with guys that, you know, one, you're walking in the door trying to take their spot. And two, you haven't worked at that temple. And so I think I would, I would wholeheartedly agree that high school kids just being in, in great shape when you walk in the door is a, is a huge thing because as, as a strength coach, you see that and you're like, okay, this kid did his work. Like, I, I agree. Like, I don't really, I never got into like, I don't care what coach so-and-so said, you know, if coach Manchi told me that one of his guys squatted 500 pounds, I'd listen to him because I, I know, but like other coaches, I'd be like, I don't even, I don't even need to know that. I want, I want to watch it, you know, myself. Um, you know, so I think those things are really make a huge impression on a coach is that if you're prepared, you know, from a, a physical conditioning standpoint, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, really interesting thing, right? As strength coaches, you know, we get to be typically the first person the kids see, you know, after a game. And in college, it's typically right Sunday or, or Monday, however everybody does. I know Dean does that at Kimberly too, you know, on Sunday afternoons and, and things like that. And, and, you know, all sports are roller coaster rides for kids, whether you're in high school or you're in college or anything like that. You got big games, you got highs, you got lows. Um, you know, what are some of the things, you know, Lewis said that you guys do, you know, after a big win, you know, the first thing that we always want to do is like, we want to decondition them. It's like, that game's done. We want to move, you know, you, you want to, you want the kids to feel happy and that they've accomplished maybe a goal that they've set. And, you know, um, and also at the same time, there, there are some games where they come in and, and maybe they, they had a tough loss and, you know, the, the old adage, hey, we can't let so-and-so beat us again this week. You know, what are some of the things you do in the weight room to, to help facilitate that and help, you know, get the kids kind of back on track? So my first head job in North Texas, it was the biggest challenge I've <laughs> ever had. And we were one in 11 and one of the worst teams in college football. And and we would get beat bad. Like, it was embarrassing. But every week, I already had a plan. Like, it was the next it was the next mission. And, you know, all the kids on the team aren't going to feel the same way. But if you're not purposeful, if you don't have a plan, you're going to be right with them. You're going to start feeling bad, and you're going to sulk, and you're not going to like it. So I think it was more of a challenge to me, and it made me a better coach for sure because if I can – get through that and stay motivated through that fire. It's pretty easy when you win. Um, but yeah, we would lose by 30 and we'd have a harder opponent the next week. So how do I fix that? You know, it's, you can't like have silliness or get loose and joke around, but 
um, you can find like pictures of their mom who why they're playing the game and refocus them real quick. You know, like I, I get this again, it's all in the interview. I just look up questions that I ask the guys and I take pictures of their family and I put on the rack. You know, that's one thing I did. And, um, you know, if I, if I find some source of motivation from like interviews that that other team had there, they don't respect us or, you know, some thing that they, is just out there. I'll hang that up on anything that I can find. I will hang up on the rack. There's a lot of adversity stories that I can go draw from, you know, one of my biggest hobbies is just writing down messages who have now turned into videos sometimes, but, um, I just, I, there's always things I can try to draw from the personal side, the perspective side, the life side, and, and just try to go with that. And once I figure out what it is, I'm going all the way. Like if you're with me, you're with me and you're going to feel it if you're with me, but you know, if you're not really into it, I can't really help you that much. So, um, the majority of the time it's a new theme every week. Of course, one and oh kind of sticks with every week, but momentum is a huge thing. You know, if you win a big game, momentum's huge. It can carry you for a while. You get a huge loss and a heartbreaking loss, a little tougher, but it's your job to wash it and you got to get them refocused. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's what I would say, though. I think uh, one of the things when I was at Wisconsin, we had um, in 2010, when when I started, ta- I had got to, to train, take basically program the O-line and, and whatnot. And we were, I mean, we were, I, I thought we were pretty good up front and uh, we had to play Ohio State. Uh, they were the number one team in the country. And if they, they were going to come into Camp Randall, they would have had a 20 game winning streak. And we were in our summer, we were like two weeks out before uh, summer camp. And at the time, Gabe Karimi, who ended up winning the Outland Trophy that year, uh, he had a PR in the squat like a, the week before we were actually going to test. I mean, I would, I would auto-regulate the guys. And if they felt good, I was like, let's go, you know, and, and things like that. And so for like three or four days, you know, it's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like Monday or Tuesday. I'm like, you know, I got to figure out a way to get him refocused for when we actually test when it, when, you know, when it, I, you know, I would always keep track of their numbers. And if they didn't hit, you know, if they did it, they did it. And so I'll never forget. Um, he walked in, you know, and our guys came and trained and I put him in the first rack, which you had to be like one of the top four guys. And he definitely wasn't. And then I put a big picture of Adrian Claiborne who played at Iowa. And he kind of looks at it and he kind of looks at me. And I said, well, I said, you know, we beat Ohio state. I said, that's who you got to face next week. I said, so that's, mm-hmm. that's why we do this, you know, is that you can't ever relax. And that, and he ended up doing like 10 more pounds he did the week, you know, before. And I think those little, and, and like you said, you have to know your players. Yeah. You know, cause the year before, when he was a junior, Claiborne absolutely demolished him. I mean, he just, you know, he tore him apart. And um, that was one of the things that, from a goal standpoint, that that he had. So I think one of my favorite memories was at Buffalo when we were just on a roll. Like, we were breaking all kinds of season records of winning, and the momentum was so much fun. And there was one game, like, we played Army, and we got beat pretty bad, and we were 5-0. and so we lost to Army, shockingly, and then we won on another five-game win streak. So during that win streak, I had, like, Miami, Ohio's O-line coach said, like, oh, yeah, compared to playing Army, their O-line should feel like tissue paper. You know, like, so I had tish. I mean, I had the whole weight room decked out. Like, it was – and the O-line was so mad. Yep. And we it was a tough game, but we put up 51 on them and, and beat them, so – it was just stuff like that. It's just fun to get going. Lewis, technology's really changed, and you know, just the evolution of strength and conditioning and everything has just gotten so crazy. What? How do you educate? You know, your athletes, or how do you use technology or apps or any of that? You know, phones are big right now. You know, we just saw that most high school kids are on their phone eight to ten hours a day. You know, we hear the same thing. Coach Polisic said at University of Iowa. They do a lot of education on phones and, and then obviously with recruiters, you know, looking at kids' phones, you know, what they're tweeting and, and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole different deal. But, you know, how do you address some of those issues? I mean, technology is, 
is awesome. I mean, if you use it right, it's, you know, we got our catapult system that tracks all the guys at practice and you guys have heard of that. And um, in the summer, you know, we, as we get closer to camp, we have our, you know, our catapult guy that kind of maps out what a camp week looks like total volume wise for the guys. So the running that we do in the week of the off season in the summer, we try to get close to that. And I know we don't have enough time during the training runs that we would have during practice, but um, we try to touch on getting them at least close to that weekly load before they take the field in August. So there's that side, which is cool. And that shows you all a bunch of stuff, what kind of speed you're hitting, you know, how much yards you're, you're running or jogging or walking or hitting or cutting that stuff. Then the weight room side, you just, I've seen it all. Like I've, I've kind of gone away from a lot of it just because I, I feel like you can do a lot with a lot less, you know, and I, I I'm big on just the nuts and bolts of strength conditioning. Like I, the coolest thing that I'll do right now is track their vertical jump divided by their body weight and you got a power output, you know, like, so if the guys gain weight in an off season and their vertical jump goes up, you're dealing with a much more powerful guy. Right. You know, I just, I love that basic stuff. I love watching a 225 rep max increase. I love, you know, just stuff like broad jump. If you train banded broad jump and then do another broad jump, you're probably going to jump farther. You know, just, I don't, at Michigan, we had force plates. At Michigan, we had, you know, cameras everywhere evaluating their single leg jump and if they have valgus, you know, tendos and elite form on every rack and measuring the speed of the bar. And I could keep going, but at some point, if you get too cute, you're going to be cute and you don't want to be cute in football. You know, you, you got a tough game to play with tough people. And if you don't make them tough, you could get lost in all that stuff and tracking and, and just worrying about a bar speed instead of grinding a set out and just working through it. You know, I, I think there's much more value in that than just uh, look, I'm not trying to get in an argument with technology gurus, but I don't do a lot of it and I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, when back to, you know, again, back when I was in Wisconsin, we, we started looking at, you know, cause we had, you know, hamstring issues with our, with our receivers. And, and I, you know, I'm sure you guys have both seen that, right. You, because the, the typically the starters are used to having the amount of volume, you know, at practice, which is probably more than the second or third string guy. Well, the, one of the starters goes down and then you have, you know, another guy goes down. Well, then you, you're forcing a guy, maybe a freshman or someone who's not used to the volume into, you know, that role. And so now he's getting more work than he's used to. And that's when you, I, I, we've, you know, I've seen it before where all of a sudden you got like position, you know, like, holy smokes, we got seven guys down. Well, it's kind of like a domino effect. And so we actually started writing down, you know, guy ran a, you know, 15 yard rep. And we, we did that all by hand, like back in like 15 years ago. I mean, the amount of work that that was, but you know, it's some of the things that it, it, it really, is a great baseline, like you said, for what you want to do, like in July leading into camp. Right. Right. And, and the guys are trying to go to the NFL, you know, they want to go play pro. What do they test for the pros? <laughs> That's what I'm going to test. Yeah. You know, I'm going to test the bird. I'm going to test the broad. I'm going to test 225, the pro, the L. And I'm not going to worry about much else. Like I, I don't even rarely test squat very much anymore. I don't, I don't worry about, who's power clean and what I don't there's so many different ways to create power besides a power clean you know and and that's what I do I do a lot of shrug pulls because guys wrists are so tight yeah I don't bend correctly and it looks you know all these highlight tapes you'll see online you'll see 10 guys doing it perfect and it looks amazing and you're like wow I, why don't we do that well it's because 93 other guys look awful Right. And if you really, if you want to make your program about that, that's fine. If you want to cut and dry, this is what we're doing. Go for it. But just be willing to spend a lot of time to try to get those guys to all get that elbow up and look really nice doing it. So I just think you can get the same power with the triple extension a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, so starting out as a GA, 
you know, and, and this is, and I see this in, in the private sector and in college and probably in the pros and in high school, you know, obviously it, it, we grew up and you really had to pay your dues to, you know, to get to where you're at as a head strength coach. Um, what advice would you give some of those young coaches that, you know, and I, I interview guys that come, you know, that are interns at Wisconsin and they talk about, I want to be a head strength coach and stuff like that. And I don't think a lot of people really know, right, coach, what it takes, you know, to do that. Um, so what advice would you give to, you know, our listeners that want to get into this profession? Um, because it, you know, I think people ask, have asked me, you know, yeah, Mike, yeah, you get 12 days, you know, during your year that are like, quote unquote, the glamour days, right? When you're on Saturday on the sidelines and you're, you know, you're holding the head coach back because you're, you know, you're whatever. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you're in the trenches. So I, I think what would you, you know, some of the advice that you'd give moving up the ladder, but also, you know, realistic expectations of what this profession is really like. I'll just say, if you want it, you got to sacrifice for it because the best, like two out of the three relationships that I have in this field that are my mentors were the ones I worked for for free. You know, I, I never, I never had these intentions on uh, how I was going to get somewhere. I never like, I don't, I didn't know how this whole profession was even going to work for me. You know, I had no confidence early on. I didn't know what this was going to be, but slowly working for free, keeping my head down, being first to work, showing up early, staying late, asking the boss what else I can do for him, not with my backpack on and my keys in my hand ready to go. Like genuinely asking, sir, is there anything else you need today? You know, I think a lot of kids want to post where they're at or, you know, be seen with where they're, what they're doing right now. I'm, I'm so happy that social media wasn't around in 2008, you know, and I just wasn't focused on that. You know, I, when I was at USF, I was training with the USF Bulls myself because I started to go back and play. And I was coaching them the last three groups of the day. I was exhausted every day, working for free, making my own peanut butter and jellies every day. And I think that's what kind of set me up, to be honest, because I, I just tried so hard to do a good job for, for good people. And I respect to the end of the earth till today. I mean, those guys are everything. I mean, Matt Bayless, Ron McKeefer, Aaron Wellman, guys that I respect to the end of the earth forever. And I think when you have good mentors, you try to do the best job you can for them. Cause you, if you burn one bridge in this field, like you're almost done. Cause you're not going to have many people that have your back and certainly people that aren't going to pick up the phone and call for you. So it's very, like I always tell the guys, like once you burn a bridge, don't try to come back around and put water on it. It's not going to work. And there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of young guys. Even when I got my early head jobs, a lot of guys tried to talk behind my back. A lot of guys tried to say things that uh, they didn't think I knew. You know, and, and they always now they try to write me handwritten letters and, you know, asking for help. And can I put you down as a reference? And, you know, I'm, of course, you know, I'm nice to him, but I'm never going to help. Him. I just it's it's not in me to help guys that couldn't pay the price earlier that now want it because they see, you know, the reward from it. So I just think if you want it, are you going to move nine times? Are you going to go into the kitchen and tell your wife that you're fired again? Are you going to move your kid around that just made friends in his neighborhood? Are you really going to do that? Because if you're not willing to, don't get in this field. You know, um, one thing, uh, Lewis, when myself and Jason Mangan, a colleague of mine and a coaching friend, we went to the Michigan clinic and you were an assistant at that time. And, you know, I really appreciated it when we had a ton of questions for you and then we were having some email exchanges and things to help our program. You know, you were just, unbelievable as far as you know you're at the college level at Michigan and you're helping out some high school guys from Wisconsin that were the only people from Wisconsin that were at the Michigan clinic but um, you had some incredible uh, Twitter messages out there and um, you know anybody that's listening you're going to definitely want to follow and we'll have all that information at the end of the podcast but what advice would you give 
for all of our listeners to help them maximize their potential and anything that they do because your your messages are just awesome yeah, i appreciate it man and that that's what i mean though about like the michigan clinic and you guys like you guys mean the world to me because my high school coach means the world to me you know it's like you guys make the difference and i'm just thankful to be on this podcast because again i i was that kid at that clinic learning and 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 writing and and wishing and hoping one day that i would get a chance you know and i just think it's so cool that you know you would say that about me in michigan you know just thank you for that but as far as maxing out your potential i just think what do you want to be you know who do you who do you want to be because you don't got much time and if if you're not going to commit to something if you're not going to decide what you want it's going to be tough you're going to have a tough life and i didn't know what i wanted but once i found it i got straight a's in school which i never did i was in the library forever studying everything I possibly could because I, I knew it, I felt it. And then once I just, man, nothing to me is better than seeing an open field and the darkness and the moonlight and just you. Cause I, that's, those are my best times. I, I love, I love pushing myself when no one's around. I love being out there and not knowing how much I'm going to do in the moment but I know I'm going to go for a lot. And that to me just makes me feel like I can coach kids. It makes me feel like I have the right to say anything to them. I'm not, I'm not that guy that's going to ever yell at a kid because he can't do something. So if I know I can do it and I know he's a ton more talent than me, then I'm going to push him. But I just can't be that guy. That's the hypocritical. I'm going to write all this stuff up and, get that get after these kids and I have no idea what it feels like um I just if, if you have a strong vision for yourself live it every day because it's not going to come to you and then no one's going to really help you because there's a lot of people when I was fired my second head job they just wouldn't pick up the phone and call for me or I couldn't get a hold of them all of a sudden or the, you, you have to be there for yourself. You have to believe in yourself, even when you don't get your way. There's going to be tons of times where you feel like there's nowhere to go. You know, and that's exactly how I felt too. But I never stopped believing in the reason I was doing this. And that's because I want to help kids and I want to make a difference like a coach made in my life. And if you don't have that kind of burning passion to do something with your life like that, I don't know what people are going to say about you one day. Um, isn't it, it, you know, and I think as a coach where, you know, when, when I left Wisconsin and I, you know, opened my own business, you know, not really having a true, when I, when I found what the real vision of what sports advantage was going to be, um, that's like you said, when you, when you really, when you figure it out, you know, and like for kids, when they really figure it out, like what it really takes to be successful, then all you really want to do is surround yourself with like-minded people. Like you said, you have like three guys that, you know, they call you up, you're in the car, you're at their house. If something happens to their family, you know, there's no questions asked. And I, you know, I'm the same way. I, I think Dean and I are, are that way for each other. I mean, <laughs> You know, there's, there's four o'clock in the morning text messages, dog you up, <laughs> you know, Hey, Hey, did you listen to this? Or he'll send me like one of your tweets at like four 30 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, you saw it, but thanks. You know? Um, but I think that's really important for kids to hear, like surround yourself with like-minded people, whether you're in high school, college, because if, if they're not, you know, in the same boat and they don't want to grab an oar with you, Okay, they're the ones dumping water in your boat, right? I mean, they're the, they're the ones that want your boat to sink. They're the ones that, you know, they're there for you if, if something bad happens. You know, I, I found that it's easy for people to come comfort you if something bad happens, but it's really hard for them to grab a pom-pom when you're, you hit a, you know, a huge success and they're kind of jealous of it, right? I mean, it's right. crazy, you know? So 
Um, Coach, you got anything else for us? I mean, you, I want, I want you to share with our listeners the butterfly story, the the about the <laughs> that you shared today on your Twitter because I loved it. So I want you to share that before we get off here because I wanted you to share one of your messages that you shared on Twitter and and you got to start off the same way you start off on Twitter. Bella's got a message. <laughs> that's got that's got to be what it is right now. Okay, so I'm putting oh, you in the man. spot. And I want you to go. Here we go. First All right. All right. <laughs> Here you go. All right. Hey guys, got a message. Uh, so one of my favorite stories about struggle is there's a man sees a cocoon and this butterfly is trying to get out of this cocoon and it can't get out stuck. And so man naturally says, Oh, let me help this butterfly. It's, you know, can't move. So he takes a pair of scissors and clips the edge of the cocoon where it's stuck at and butterfly comes out and starts crawling around and he's waiting for it to fly and feels good that he helped him out and just never flies he's wondering what happened and you see the guy didn't know that the butterfly needed to squeeze through that cocoon and struggle and fight his way through so he could force fluid into his wings so it could fly forever so the man didn't know that by helping him he was crippling him for life so I guess the message behind that is, you know, sometimes you think you need all this help, but you got to fight your own fight. And it's good to, it's good to ask for help, you know, once in a while, it's good to, you know, ask for help in hand. You need that sometimes, but most of the time you got to overcome it yourself or else you won't be able to fight through anything. And I just think in life, you're going to become what you overcome. And if you don't struggle, you'll never fly. That's awesome. I lo- love that today. I loved it. Dino, you got anything else for, for Lewis? You know, the transfer portal is really big right now. You know, and part of that, that whole thing is, you know, even in high school, it's like kids, our, our big thing is water the bamboo. You know, you're always watering it and you're getting better every day. And, you know, so many times that, you know, that person gets to be about a junior, you know, it's always between that second and third year. And then all of a sudden you're going to get a kid that, you know, is, is done. They're going to just go work. They're not going to go play. And they're, they're, they're ready just to reap the benefits of all their hard work. So as a strength coach, you have a, one of your athletes coming up and, and they're thinking about transferring, you know, what, what's that conversation like with that athlete? So I've had a lot of those. Um, some of that I'm in full support of and some that I don't agree with at all. And cause I, I live that, you know, and that, that's why it's more personal to me, but a lot of kids, um, they question what they're doing in the middle of the career and they're not getting the way they want. And they just recruit a kid to take their spot again. And that kid's all big on social media and he's all for startup and all that. So there is like, this dim light for a lot of players like the strength. I always say the strength coach is like literally there to be strong for the players in their weakest moments, because yeah, like the janitor can come in with a strength card with a progression on it and the kids will get stronger. Like to me, the strength coach is supposed to be the guy that is just has the strength for the players in the weakest times. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no point of view. There's no point. I wouldn't do this job if it was just getting guys stronger. That's not why I do it. So um the transfer thing is tricky because like I said earlier if you put in time and you gave it everything you had and then you did it again and you still aren't even close then yeah I think you should transfer but if you just gave it a semester or a year you know a freshman in high school and you're not playing I wouldn't get mad and you can't go anywhere so what do you do? You fight it out until you play college. It all changes because you got all this high school pressure on you and all these people watching you and all these people wanting you to play over this guy. So it all changes with the pressure you put on yourself, your family, the, the expectations are so much higher. So these kids really feel it. And like, I always look at our running back group. There's five running backs right now on our team that could play in a lot of schools. I really believe that. And they're all staying. They're all 
trying to beat each other out. They're all working together. They're being good teammates and good competitors. So there's a fine balance of putting your time in before you make that move. But I do think it is necessary if you believe in yourself to make that move if you've given it honest, honest time. So you get a lot of athletes that come over, you know, from different states and they're far away from their house, you know, in their home and they get homesickness, you know. What, what are some things that, you know, advice that you give those athletes? Because, you know, we've had plenty of kids and then they take off and, and go to college a few states over and it's a big adjustment for a high school kid. You know, what are some things that you do to help them adjust in, the, in that situation? Empower them in the weight room. You know, I do it while you have them. You know, while you while you make um, certain times during the lift, like, hey, a kilo is from Texas, uh, which we're in Georgia or whatever. Like, I'm going to have a kilo break the group down. I'm going to have a kilo share a message that day. I'm going to have a kilo uh, pick the song that we're playing in the weight room. You know, just different things that you can just kind of loop him in quicker and, and then find another kid from that state. Hey, do you know he was from there? And then boom, you got an instant connection. Like there's so many ways to include people if you try, but if you don't try, it's not going to happen. And then naturally things just fall apart. Good yeah, stuff. It, it's, it, it, and it comes back to what you said at the beginning It's building relationships. It, it really is, you know, and that's what being a good leader is as a, as a coach and as a person. So coach, you have a, anything else? for us tonight uh before we before we let you get back to your family we really appreciate you being on with the you know it's just you know having people that are real for kids in this profession is really important and and you know dean and i are very fortunate to have connected with you and things like that so anything else for for the kids or even our coaches that are listening and and, and whatnot um yeah so for from a player standpoint you know, I just think it's important to realize, like, I, I'm so big on this no talent code thing. Like, I'm, I had a book idea a while ago. It was called the no talent code. And you guys have seen the list of things that take no talent. But, like, there's this code everyone has. And I have, I've found mine. Like, I found my code. Like, when I'm operating in my code, I operate at my best. And there's, like, five things that I got to do every day that take no talent where I am. I'm at my best. If I get my workout in before the day starts, if I read and write before the day starts, if I pray and be thankful, if I am intentional about how I'm going to be with my kids later that day. And if I, if I have a plan with my wife later that night, like if, if those five are in place, like I, I have the best day ever always. But if I'm not intentional about those five, and one of them slips and well, my day is kind of off. And I really think guys all have their own different punch code of what's going to make them happy that day and what's going to give them their edge. And if, if you don't realize what that is, you're going to constantly be scrambling and then life's just going to take you. And, and that day is gone, you know? So I think living more intentionally is going to help a lot of players that are out there right now, especially the ones on my team that i constantly try to remind um and then for coaches just are you a coach or are you a difference maker a coach doesn't care who's in the film room when he's watching film he just has to get the job done a difference maker cares about the people that are sitting in the chairs first before he teaches any x and o's and i think that's the the number one thing right now that is out there you know you got a lot of guys that have a lot of egos and they just want to win. It doesn't matter who's there. Once you graduate, who's up, who's up next? You know, I think the difference makers, they know once you graduate, the relationship has just begun. Right. And, and the greatest impact you'll ever have as a coach is the impact you'll never see. And it's, can they get a job? And it's, can they be a great dad? And are they going to be a great husband? And um, do they have the competitive fire in their heart to outlast someone on a job interview? Like all this stuff that comes from your example that's the difference maker and that sets them up for life. And I think that's exactly what you guys are doing on this podcast. That's why I'm just, again, thankful to be a part of it and thankful for both of you. Dean, you got anything? We else? appreciate that, Louis. I'll tell you, 
Yeah. You know, that's, it's been, it's been awesome. And that's why we do what we do. You know, when I had that experience at the college level, it was a great opportunity. I got to learn from so many coaches and I took that to the high school level. And I just always wanted to stay at the high school level. Cause I just thought at that level, I could make a much bigger impact than a lot more kids. And, uh, you know, Brian, he made a big decision when he was at Wisconsin there and for his family to, to open up his own business so he could he could see his kids football games and baseball games and basketball and everything else and uh, you know put that priority of being a father you know first and, and and I always give Brian a ton of credit for making that decision because you know you're going to Rose Bowls and you know Big Ten championships and stuff like that and to give that up it's it's a pretty difficult you know situation or decision to make so yeah, it was, Brian? What's yeah, it was um I think when you when you realize uh, what's really important in your life, decisions like that are really easy. You know, it's hard to say goodbye, but it's it's also hard to miss stuff like that. So um Lewis, can you can you share your Twitter account? Because we need people, we need people seeing those messages. Yeah, uh at Lewis Corella. Awesome. And I just got on um Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. I, the players yeah. asked me to do it. So, <laughs> uh, since February, I've been trying that. It's kind of, I never understood why I would need both, but I'm on it now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's Twitter are the quick messages and Instagram, a lot of the kids watch. So, you, you hit a lot of different audiences. And I was told that, that, that Facebook is like for like the parents and people like us. So, you, you know, you got to be on all three, but. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Lewis, really appreciate you having or, or you coming on tonight. Hopefully we'll get to catch up with you again, uh, maybe like right before the season or even, you know, after the season's over with. Hopefully you guys have a lot of success and and whatnot. So that's going to wrap it up tonight. So we'll catch everybody next time. Chop it. <laughs>